This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I am your host, Sheldon Primus. This is the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant and answer any questions that you have regarding the safety and health field. Help you guys out with that already too, right? Because we are safety consultants are going to be. So therefore, we have to think about safety and health too, right? Absolutely. <laughs> That's how we grow a business. So gang, I got a treat for you today. We are actually going to be talking to Michael Zale, the founder and CEO of Yellowbird. And we are welcoming back the co-founder and COO of Yellowbird, Michelle Tinsley. So we really had a great time just catching up, Michelle and I, and and again, getting to, to talk to uh, Michael more and more. So uh, truly, it's the first time the three of us have talked together. So it was really fun getting to understand a little bit more about Yellowbird and uh, seeing the progression from when I spoke with Michelle last year to now and really started digging deep into the industry more as well as um, finding out or at least (laughs) learning how to control the serial entrepreneur within where you want to do this one and this one, whatever it is, right? So either way, just like settle in, we got a really good conversation going. You guys are going to have a good time with both Michael and Michelle. They are wonderful and Yellowbird is here to help. So I'm I'm, I'm happy to, to... go ahead and, and introduce you guys again to them. So let's go ahead and get into the interview. I'll kick it off and I'll pass it on to my much better half. So at least my much better business half, I should say. So yeah, I always have to clarify that because uh, <laughs> we are both married, but not to each other. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so I, I had the original idea of Yellowbird in the back of an Uber. And it was a, a strike of lightning idea kind of a thing. And the the long story short, and we'll get into more of it, I'm sure, is that the gentleman that was driving me was far overqualified. And so I was coming, uh, milling it around in my brain. And as it started coming into, uh, as it came into clarity, I realized that I needed a partner. I needed a co-founder and an operator. And that's how I was uh, matched up with Michelle. I was searching high and low throughout Phoenix and because obviously I wanted somebody here. And she had uh, the background, which she'll tell you about. But my personal background, uh, that's how we got matched up. But my personal background is I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneurial spirit. I've uh, been very fortunate to be part of multiple successful companies uh, from foundation through exit. Uh, also been fortunate to be part of unsuccessful companies as well, which uh, you learn more during that those experiences than yeah, even from your, from your successes. Uh, married uh, to a wife of 21 years, two great kids that are 16 and 12. And uh, you're right. We, uh, as you mentioned, Sheldon, we have been part of this wonderful juggernaut that we're calling Yellowbird. And it really is um, very, very special. It's We have a special experience going on right now, and I'm just very fortunate and blessed to be, be leading it and uh, with Michelle. So how about you, Michelle? Okay. So for me, I was uh, 26 years in corporate at Intel, um, a 
vast majority of that in finance. Uh, so I supported the wafer factories for 10 years. So that was my exposure to EHS, um, getting a fab certified badge to be able to go into the clean room and know that there are dangerous chemicals and situations going on and what not to touch. Um, so I had a respect for safety. I saw what it did for um, the culture of a company and for its employees. Um, and then at Intel moved on to more roles where I was a general manager of a very large business unit and um, did product for six years as well as sales. So kind of gathered all the experiences I wanted and then unfortunately got caught up in a corporate reorg and said, that's my opportunity to get out of here because I don't want to be there for life yeah. um, and started my own consulting business. And I learned how tough that can be. So what I love with this audience is I can empathize the constantly looking to build your book of business and find those next clients, keep the ones you have happy, potentially do follow on work for them um, because there's just a lot of uncertainty and you kind of get used to that ambiguity of not knowing six months from now where the revenue is going to be coming from. Um, but I also found that it wasn't for me rewarding because I would make a lot of recommendations and they'd pay me for those recommendations and then they'd implement maybe a third of them. Yep. And for me, I'm a high utility person. I want to see a higher yield than that on my ideas actually getting put into practice. Um, so in 2018, I was asked to join a company as CEO of a fintech startup and, and um, started something from scratch with a licensed product out of Australia. Um, that was really fun experience. I learned a ton. I did learn that that was probably not the right group to be working with. So I uh, left and basically was in a search for rather than rebuild my consulting business, is there a different startup in the Phoenix area where I could lend my talents, learn from what I had just learned, standing something up from scratch um, and get introduced to Michael. And we, we personnel, you know, personality wise hit it off. Um, I, I definitely said I need to be able to trust this person with my life, you know, my kids lives if I needed to. Um, and we got to be able to, you know, work through conflict together, give each other feedback and, and grow from this experience and, and have it be really mutually beneficial. We definitely have that. Uh, we're now two years in and, um, you know, basically just rocking and rolling and growing the team. And by no means has it been easy, but um, we've just, I, I tell people, I feel like I've gotten a PhD in life, you know, having worked in a startup now because every day is a learning experience. Uh, hold on. I gotta write that down. That's, that's <laughs> a t-shirt right there. <laughs> <laughs> PhD in life. That's awesome. I um I had you here, guest 85. I had looked it up, I wrote it down. So that was September 7th, 2020. So uh if I remember right, that was incubation period, wasn't that? That was early. That was definitely early. Yeah. So as I was uh, just kind of learning about uh, you know, the business incubator process, as well as um, how to market, attract people, let them know that you're a going concern, all the different things you guys have to uh, truly think about in that phase, but then stay disciplined as to knowing your resources, knowing uh, what you could spend money on, what you can't, and uh, attracting talent. How'd you guys do it? Now it's hindsight. You got hindsight. Yeah. So, so what happened <laughs> between like we're in 2021 now, a year later? Uh, how'd you guys make it through that? So, I'll take a swing at this one first, and then Michelle, I'm sure, has her own insights. And um, and a lot of how we did it is is to the to the uh, uh, blessing of Michelle and her team and her capabilities because they have been remarkable in growing this business. So. 
talent is so important and getting the right people, you know, I don't know if you're a Jim Collins person, but right people in the right chairs doing the right jobs. And that is one of those, uh, was one of those things that I'll never forget. As long as you always are looking to say, do we have the right people in the right seats and are they doing the right job? And we've been very fortunate that our hit rate on identifying people for the skills that they have to have for the knowledge that they have to have. And most importantly, the resilience, um, which is something that is very difficult to interview for startups is startups are very difficult. You will always be underfunded uh, in your early days. You'll never have the resources. People say, Hey, we have a collateral material piece for this and said, Nope, we don't, but we need, we can create it, you know, Uh, but you want to try and stay on brand. And so fortunately for Mich- uh, for me, Michelle has a marketing background as well. She's actually had a major in marketing in school. And so uh, she's my Swiss army knife of human beings, which is awesome. Uh, so she, you know, you can throw many things at her and she, okay. she can figure out ways of, of making the, making something beautiful out of something that is not. So I'd say that is the number one way that we did it from a platform perspective. I, I believe that our success has gone through, um, first and foremost, we're disrupting. So what does that mean? We're doing things differently. We're not in your normal mold. We're not a consulting firm. We're not a staffing agency. We're not a temp agency. And so being a two-sided tech platform creates a need for people to kind of open their minds and hearts to trying something new. And that can be difficult. And so I think time has been our most fortunate piece of this success where people have had experiences, they've made money, they've had good experiences, they were supported and they felt the love. And based on that, they've told others. And so then when the advertisements come out and people see it and they ask around, hey, have you heard of Yellowbird? That's where they've gotten the answer. Yeah, I've heard of them and they're a great group and you should try it. You know, yeah. that's the only way to grow a business organically and um, that's uh, my that's my thoughts on it, Michelle. Do you yeah, want to yeah, yeah. give your two yeah. cents? Yeah, I think it's a constant vigilance to staying focused um, because there's no shortage of great ideas or things that we need to get done. I, I always joke like if you're going to wait until your inbox is clear, you're never going to go home. Um, <laughs> so I think it's really working with the team to say let's be laser focused. We've had some interesting opportunities come our way that we've honestly just said no. Um, and you can make a case for wow, it'd be really cool if we went and did this or that, but you're like we've got to, you know, last year was all about just getting our kinks ironed out in our process, figuring out how to do a match, how to find the right person, how to live up to that brand promise of the right person in the right place at the right time. Um, And now this year, it's been more the now how do we turn that crank faster and faster and faster and um, really seeing the volume just start to skyrocket, you know, we're living on the hockey stick right now. So Mm -hmm. volume wise, we're up 3x this quarter from just Q2, which was not a bad quarter. It was our best volume quarter in company history. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we look at that and say, how do we do that with pretty much the same team? We haven't hired operationally. Um, 
So, you know, we're not going to just work our people to, to the bone. We've got to get smarter about this. Luckily, our product team has been amazing with continuing to add features, streamline the process, understand what we need, and prioritize in their biweekly sprints um, key features that not only are visible by our clients, the, the pros and the co's, but also help us behind the scenes on getting things to just be more automated and, and slicker and um, really progress through. Like we had an amazing announcement this morning, our 2.5 web app launched. And so what that does is, for instance, for our new professionals that sign up on the platform, there's now only four steps for onboarding where it was seven. So we're, we're kind of maniacally right. as a company focused on how do we redesign that experience to just be really slick, really easy, really friendly to them. And we take feedback because it won't be perfect. We'll, we'll continue to refine it as we go. But um, certainly that's something where we can, you know, by saving time there, then we can do more of the strategic proactive stuff that we've never had a chance to get to. Yeah, excellent. It, it really sounds like you guys are, um, uh, it seems like with all the cylinders going at the same time, everything that you have to do, all the the, the places you're going, uh, that your select team, and and I'm not too sure of the size because I know you, you said you're small. Is it is it an office of ten or fewer? Or so we have uh, we have sixteen people right now. Um, okay. And to, you talked about t-shirts earlier. Uh, we usually say we have 13 and three interns. And then, of course, you have to follow that by the T-shirt, which is interns or people, too. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, I was going to say, but we are um, in the final throes of of uh, term sheet on another round of venture capital. And when that comes in, we will be growing significantly. We should double in the next 12 months um, okay. as far as our, our headcount is concerned. And our revenue should quadruple. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people don't understand the the connection, especially linearly when you get investments, because in some cases with the right connections, uh, the investments now, when you already have the, let's say the highway, if you will, that is laid, it's ready to go. Now the investment's going to help you fine tune things. And then now the efficiency goes up and, and usually it's, it's a nice, you know, coefficient that you could, you could sustain and you could sustain long, uh, long-term. So it seems to me that from, from when I was looking and listening and kind of looking at you guys from the background thinking, uh, last time I talked to Michelle, I was like, I needed you guys. <laughs> I needed you guys years ago. <laughs> and now that you're here, it's it's fun looking at, at the way you guys are, are are working through the system. But um and for me, being on the consulting side and then having the the client side too, I, I could see a lot of clients sometimes looking at me like Sheldon, I need some help with this. And I'm like, it's not my discipline. I can I, help you with this, but I need to rely on someone else to help you with that. And that you guys connected those pieces. So right. that's what uh, we we don't have. So in my estimation, you need the 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 push, which is going to come from more more ears hearing your story. Yes. And, and thank you really for right. and thank you for letting us tell our story because you know, it's so important as an organization that we listen to the consultants. The businesses are going to have needs. We know the businesses have needs. It's, they'll never not have needs as long as there's humans involved that are going to, and regulation, but more importantly, the humans that we have to keep safe, that there will be a need. But on the consultant side, 
it's very, very difficult. And you can be the, the best salesperson in the world. You can have the best network in the world. And you still, some of the blocking and tackling of the administration of running your own consulting practice is difficult. And so we're kind of a helping hand on that front. And we're always listening for what can we do to support our professionals better. Um, there's at one point there was an under there was an impression that we were going to compete with the consultants, and I was so upset about that because it was never the ambition. In fact, if you had to make me choose who I work for, I work for the consultants. Um, now the co's the companies pay our bills and they pay all of our bills, so we have to do a quality service for them. But they're the one. The consultants are the ones who. The right people and the right skills in the right locations is not easy to accomplish as an individual. As a, as a company, there's lots of options of people you can hire. But as a service provider, it's very challenging to make sure you get your best foot forward. Yeah, I think we're, we're digging more and more into those what we call pro consultants, because we see that, you know, we can help them initially start their business by starting on Yellowbird, because they'll get that consulting engagement experience, they won't have to dream up all the templates, we have, you know, some that they can leverage to come out with a consistent, say, output for, say, a mock OSHA inspection, we cover them with the insurance, so they don't have to pay that heavy fixed cost up front. Now, when they get you know, kind of their legs under them and they feel like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Stand up your own website where yeah. there's no confidentiality or exclusiveness to being on our platform. We all day long have people that have full-time jobs at a corporate location or for their own consulting business. And then they also augment that with doing Yellowbird gig work. Um, so it is a win-win. We then though see where we could actually help them grow and scale their businesses. What if they now can bid on jobs that do need two or three resources and not just the sole proprietor? What if it is the augmentative skill set that, you know, I want to retain client ownership and account management with this client, but behind the scenes, I'll use a Yellowbird Pro to fulfill it because it's a skill set I don't do. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they can both be our customer and our pros. And um, so trying to kind of explain how that works, I think we've had a few pros now do both sides of the platform and and they've kind of like the light bulb has gone off and they're like, whoa, this is totally different. And, um, you know, they're thrilled, they're excited because they go, this is possibly where the industry is heading because from a workforce standpoint, as we tap into the younger workforce, they want more and more flexibility. Hearing that I had been at a company for 26 years, they look at that and say, God, I hope that never happens to me. You know, they <laughs> they just think that's like a terrible idea, you know. Are you uh, we, punishing we have, us? <laughs> yeah, so we had one pro we interviewed for a, a longer term assignment. He said, I only do you know, year to two year contracts. I, I've never worked more than a year or two at anywhere. Um, and he's proud of that and loves it and is seeing different parts of the US and getting different experiences. We just had come through an opportunity. It'll be actually four of our pros will get to experience it going international to Germany um, and doing 90 day stints, uh, supporting the safety at military bases in Germany. And so I look at that and go, I wish, you know, there was some job board out there that I could see yeah, really yeah. cool stuff like that. You know, no offense. I'm not, I'm not going to work on a German startup, Mike, but, <laughs> but I was like at the right time and place. I mean, you go live and work in another culture, you know, you, you reinvent how you drive, how you do laundry, how you grocery shop. It's just a, a great life experience. Yeah. And so many of, uh, of the workforce now, regardless of where you are, they're looking for that kind of creativity. They're looking for that kind of flexibility in the workforce and that's attracting 
people because it's striking what we used to hear of uh, work-life balance. We don't hear it as much as before, but it's more of a flexibility. And then there are some certain age groups that, you know, we're nomadic. <laughs> I'm a Gen Xer. So, you know, yep. by nature, yep. we just love to do stuff. And, um, and like you, Michael, I'm, I'm a serial, serial entrepreneur. So I love that part as well. There's, there's always the other thought of, oh, this is good. Maybe, maybe if we add this and then, then you always seeing like the other, the other angle that you're like, oh, wait, hold on. There's another angle. And, you know, it, it could be the squirrel syndrome for the dog, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're oh, yeah. oh, yeah. how, how do you rein that in? Well, I can tell you, I actually was saying this to Michelle recently, maybe last week, that I have always been a person who, even with startups, even with other companies that are running, if a good opportunity passed by me, somebody called me and said, hey, we um, we need an investor or we need you to come into this, uh, this apartment building, we're going to rehab it and flip it, or we're going to, there's a product that, it's a great product, but they don't know how to do distribution. You know, I would be one of those people that says, yeah, count me in, I'll help you. Like I would just be that person. I'm, I'm, I was always open and willing and Yellowbird is taking everything that I have in an entrepreneurial capability. And I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean, it's like I found my home and I don't need the distraction. And it's so challenging to scale as fast as we are that it's taking everything that I have now on the feature set that you say, we could do this or we could do that. Uh, that is why I have Michelle. Uh, I am, I, I still the balance. Do, I do still do that. I, you know, and funny enough, she does it to me every now and then too, which is, yeah. which actually raised my eyebrows last week. There was an opportunity to acquire a company that, uh, you know, wasn't that far off of what we do, but we both kind of looked at each other and said, nope, it's not our core. It's not core to what we do. And so we're not going to do that right now. But it's always tempting, especially if you think, wow, this will get us there faster or, you know, this will bolt on revenue, but it's not, you have to squint and kind of tur- turn your head to the right a little bit to make it work. <laughs> yeah. And if we stay true to our, our ambition right now, we're going to do just fine and we are doing just fine. And so it, it's not that hard for me. And the other piece of the equation is I have enough gray hair on my head. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, over, I'm over, I'm over <laughs> 45. I've uh, gone through all these uh, mistakes and, and things of being erratic and spontaneous and things that you do in your twenties and thirties. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I, I don't need, I don't need to scratch that itch anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I mentioned that because I, I, I know the, the, the itch, if you will, for the entrepreneur bug, but then also earlier previous, Michelle was saying something about uh, being so laser focused. So that's, that's when I knew that somewhere those two things, those two initiatives might collide. <laughs> they yes. might collide. And it's, and it's productive in some ways, because then you're really thinking, all right, well, uh, how do you incentivize innovation and thinking out of the box without stifling it, but making sure that it's still your core and it's true to what you do. It's it's challenging. I'll tell you this. It's very challenging. I spend the vast majority of my time, thanks to Michelle for being able to operate the business, raising capital, dealing with venture capitalists and dealing with large customers. And venture in the venture world, 
They are completely schizophrenic when it comes to questions that they ask. You'll be asked, you'll be asked a question, you know, what are you doing to stay focused on a market? Make sure you go in deep, you own it. What are you doing? What are your barriers to entry? That your moats, as they call them, so nobody can compete with you ever. And then it's like, okay, well, how big of a market is that? Can you scale into other markets? It's like, well, you, what do you want me to be? You want me to be laser focused, going deep, creating moats, or do you want me to be able to make left turns and right turns and go into other markets and other areas? And the ability to have the discussion, and it's taken some time, but now you can have the discussion of saying over the next 24 months, 36 months, we are laser focused to do this. And yeah. over time, as we mature, we may consider going into this area, which is another billion dollar opportunity. Mm -hmm. But for right now, we've got the first billion dollar opportunity on our on our hands. But it's it's hard for somebody like me because you immediately want to say, sure, we can do that. You know, you we could we could easily go this direction or we go this direction. And they go, oh, they're not, they're not focused. Right. And yeah. so over time and maturity, 10 years ago, I wouldn't be able to make this statement. But mm -hmm. now over time we've we've I've gotten to a point where I can actually <laughs> sell, sell in that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to your original question on how would you turn it off that entrepreneurial, I'd say don't. Um, Michael is the heavier, heavier skill set on the visionary side. So I say, go for it. Do that. Spend your time dreaming up what this could look like two, five, 10 years from now. We may not do it all today, but let's at least capture those ideas. And then there have been times like, you know, mid this year where we said, it seems like we have a few clients that are just instantly, you know, hooked and we're doing now not just 10 gigs a month with them, but scaling to 50 gigs a month with them. Let's lean in and learn on that. And is it a mini pivot, you know, to where we now say, okay, there's a whole new avenue here that we could really lean in on. Um, it wasn't in the original plan for this year when we were doing a plan for 2021 last fall, but we need to be open to kind of the, the business telling us where we need to go next. Um, so we do keep our ideas in backlog, so to speak. And then depending on the, you know, what we're seeing in the environment, knowing when to kind of hit the accelerator or tap the brake, you know, is certainly that. Um, obviously, we're, we're not trying to be too, you know, orthogonal, but I do know that that kind of entrepreneurial muscle of thinking of new ideas and new ways to look at the business. And then Mike has great feedback that he gets from investors that he brings back too. of here's what these people outside our business are thinking or seeing of us. And is that a clear message? Is that how we want to portray the company? Or is there something we could do better to get even more focused in on what we're trying to say and would do here? Yeah. And um, practically speaking, there's, um, and, and I'm very candid with my audience, obviously, because we're all consultants. So practically speaking, uh, there is such a driver, regulatory driver right now to be into consulting because uh, EPA, OSHA, DOT, MSHA, mm -hmm. they're all now looking at their regulatory agenda. And right. these things are starting to get pushed into a funnel almost. <laughs> and you can now look at your regulatory agenda and you can start seeing, oh yeah, we've got to get this type of professional ready because this law is coming and <laughs> this type of professional in this industry is coming. EPA is about to do a whole bunch of changes with, uh, there's a thing called risk management plan, which is akin to process safety. Mm -hmm. And that change was like eight years in the making. And finally it's about to come out. So that's going to be a driver. I'm just saying, um, as far as the, the drivers, it seems like things are lining up. So as you guys are, are prepared, and last time we spoke, volume was one of the things you mentioned, uh, you know, last year, 
this year it seems like volume is catching up. Right. Uh, we mentioned soft skills last year. So I'm thinking soft skills for consultants might be the next thing you could tackle or you yes. would probably end up having to tackle. Yes. It's an interesting statement. You've, you, you said many, many very wise things in that, in that sentence. One of which is I'm very focused on making sure that the ecosystem that we're building here knows that they have fellow resources available to them through Yellowbird. So we make sure that our professionals that are that are registered also get paid for the work that other professionals do from a referral perspective. So if you are working on a job and you happen to be a, 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 a fall protection person or you're a hazardous materials person and you see something that you know is obviously an industrial hygiene issue that needs to be addressed, you don't have to just point it out. You can now say, you know, here, let, do you need somebody to come out here? Would you like me to schedule somebody for you? And we can assist in actually broadening their accessibility. And that's a really, really powerful thing. The regulatory aspect of what you're talking about is very challenging because nobody wants to be a company cop. But at the end of the day, we still have to be responsive to all these regulations. And honestly, just knowing what regulations are going rolling out, how they're being enforced, why they're being enforced is a really, really challenging thing for any single individual. And the last point that I'll make is I truly believe that we will get to a point in this industry, much like attorneys and doctors and other professionals, when you have a general practitioner or you have a general counsel, they do not need to be experts in everything. They need to have general understanding of everything and then resources they can call upon to find the, I, I'm going for a heart transplant. I want a heart surgeon. Um, I'm not going to go to my GP for that. Uh, I need somebody for tax law. I need a tax lawyer. I don't need a general counsel. And so I, Unfortunately, our industry is not there yet. They, I really do believe that director of safety or uh, still, for some reason, the, the leadership still feels like, well, my director of safety, he, he does all that. It's like, well, that's unrealistic. And, you know, there was a, there was a, uh, a speech that was given or a, a session that was given at ASSP a couple of weeks ago. And we we're talking about the evolution of, of the, the role. And it used to be the manager or director of, of safety. And then it used to be health and, and then it became health and safety. And then it became environmental health and safety, which where the heck the E come from, nobody really knows. And then all of a sudden it became environmental health, safety, and quality. And now it's environmental health, safety, quality, and sustainability. How can any huge individual or group of individuals be able to handle all of that? It's just unrealistic. And security. They're throwing that away. Oh, yeah. Into. They're throwing security into. Exactly. I'm like, that's cyber a different security. discipline. <laughs> and security. A great point. Excuse me. And physical it, security and cybersecurity. Yep. Yeah. It's it's insane. It's <laughs> so, too much. Yeah. It's too much. And that's our me message right now. That is our message as, as a company is you're going to find those blind spots. Let us help you with your blind, with the blind spots. And it's not blind as in naive. It's blind as in, it's actually, frankly, it's very clear sight 
that I don't know that. <laughs> it's not blind at all. <laughs> it's yeah. actually quite the contrary. <laughs> yeah, what you don't know can hurt you. Trust us. <laughs> yeah, and, and kind of the after COVID effects, what we're realizing, Sheldon, is COVID started that conversation because what it required of a lot of corporate environmental health and safety directors was that they're an expert in virology. <laughs> and a lot of them were like, mm, yeah, no, I came more up the safety ranks. I'm not an industrial hygienist. I don't know how to put together this protocol in a way that's going to continue to be modulated and enhanced over time with new CDC guidelines. And so um, for us, it was a nice, a lucky coincidence that, you know, we had started prior to COVID and had the resources to expose to these customers to, to help them with that and get in the door that way. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast or broadcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within the past hour are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast or broadcast may be reproduced, stored within a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast or broadcast, Sheldon Primus.